1: Our conversation today with Rabbi Charlie Cohen, who is, of course, from Congregation Samach Adonai in Los Gatos. And Rabbi Charlie, great to have you with us today.
2: Hey, thanks. Glad to be here.
1: There's a lot for us to unpack in our conversation, not only learning more about your congregation in the South Bay, but also some of your own personal stories. So let's start a bit there. Tell us a bit about your journey to first discovering who Messiah was and then eventually embracing him.
2: Yeah. So I, I I grew up in a conservative synagogue, which is uh, pretty common in the, in the U.S. Most kids um, probably would grow up in either a conservative or reform synagogue, and uh, you know it's it's no no knock on them that uh, that I kind of fit into the seeker category because you know judaism has a very rich tradition and uh and and, and there's plenty there to uh to embrace but I, I guess i found myself as a teenager kind of wanting to know more spiritually and uh i got the whole liturgical part down but uh i wanted to know more I guess you could say more about God to know more about God, who is God. And uh, it's not, as I say, it's no knock on conservative Judaism as though they do not teach you that. But uh, it put me into, I I think that seeker category and, and once in that seeker category, uh, it also kind of opened the door to just looking around. You know, it's it's kind of like, if, if you grew up in a little small town and went to the big city and suddenly you're like, wow, hey, <laughs> look at all these things I, I never knew about. So I, I'm not saying, you know, I, I, I went into Buddhism or all those kinds of things, but but I was asking big questions. And the, the big one was was about Messiah, because we'd always been told Messiah was coming. Where is he? Translate, And so. It just happened that uh, an acquaintance was staying with our family a few days, and and uh, was uh, part of the, you know, the I guess the Jesus people movement of the '60s, and they they were pretty fired up, and and he he he's holding a Bible, and he says, "Have you ever read the Bible?" And uh, I go, "Of course, we we more or less." Uh, Wrote that. At least, at least the first five books
1: we quite familiar with. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, we got the publishing rights to that book. Yeah, and, and uh, he goes, "No, no. I mean, have you ever read this Bible?" So he hands it to me, and uh, I noticed it had a new part that our ours didn't have, the the New Testament. So I go, "No, I haven't read that version." He says, "I recommend you take a look." So I I, I read through. Uh the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. And, of course, uh, the language was a little unfamiliar. It was the King James Version. It wasn't quite the same as, as our Bible.
1: Don't don't tell that to most Christians because they think that's the yeah. way God talks.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, so anyway, I had to kind of work through that. But uh, by the time I finished the Gospel of John, my, I kept saying to myself, well, wait, wait a minute. Did we miss something here? Uh this is really seeming like the genuine article. And that's basically how I, I came to faith uh in in uh Jesus, we say Yeshua, uh
1: by reading
2: reading the gospels. And so, then So it wasn't uh, as
1: necessarily then, Rabbi Charlie, a sense of dissatisfaction per se in your your religious experience in conservative Judaism, but but rather you know, what, a sense of being a bit incomplete? It it's like the whole the whole story hadn't been revealed?
2: Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I you know it's not a thing that you would automatically do, I don't think. Like for some people, some Jewish people, you, you do the exact same thing and they finish reading it and they go, So, what's new? you know it 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 had to do with something that God was doing on my heart it, it was his sovereign call on my life that I was responding to and I think when that's true then you're you're more or less fulfilling the parable of the sower because in the parable of the sower, not much happens until the seed is put on fertile ground and and for uh, various reasons that, you know, we can't always know God God is operating in his own ways, uh, my heart was in a place that that was fertile soil.
1: So I'm curious then, because some people are under the impression, and, and perhaps falsely so, that a person of a Jewish background who embraces Messiah then, quote-unquote, converts to Christianity— do you see it as a conversion per se, or more as a completion? In other words, you still, I would imagine, as a rabbi, fully embrace your Judaism with yeah. that completed component of recognizing and accepting the claims of Yeshua as indeed Messiah. Is that the way yeah, you would right. do it? Yeah, So, you
2: know, I find that kind of terminology unfortunate, because it, conversion Im- implies leaving something in the dust. Mm-hmm. You know, and That's not our our life experience at all. So, uh, completion has its own problems, too, I would say. Because then you're saying that, you know, a a Jewish person who loves the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and strength uh, is an incomplete Jew. Well, I don't know about that either. Maybe incomplete in terms of where your faith could go and your knowledge of Messiah but as, as a human being as a, as a, as a Jewish person seeking to fulfill the covenantal obligations of God and so forth I don't know I think I feel like those terms while they're helpful in some ways for people to comprehend you know this interesting path we're on in other ways they're not so helpful
1: and I'm wondering from your perspective does that complication come in because in an effort to try to, for example, explain to a Gentile mm-hmm. what all of this means, that the terminology, the language, would be altogether perhaps different than were you approaching the self same topic with another person of Jewish background.
2: Right. Well, one one major problem we haven't touched on is uh, is there are certain aspects of uh, of this that are, are that are there are preconceptions about and uh you know in christian space you could say they're kind of like armed and ready to, to you know to take on certain certain things locked and loaded you know so uh they maybe they think in terms of jewish practice is like what what i've heard before is uh works righteousness right so we want to become righteous so we're accepted by god so how do we do that well we have a list of checkboxes we need to do and and earn the merit points but that's not the jewish experience at all and not focused on that but i think there's a perception out there uh and so again reaching across some of these divides you also you also have to deal with preconception preconceptions and uh sort of prepackaged and delivered notions about some of
1: these things. And so then, from that perspective, are you also dealing with trying to to sort of work through the the, the, the complicated language, I'll call it, not only in terms of of, of overcoming some of the theological misunderstandings, but then perhaps to some of the cultural misunderstandings that that attend to all of this that that just add layers of complexity, perhaps.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of. Uh... You know it's kind of funny the reaction of people's people sometime uh, especially when you get around uh you know like christmas easter and and other kind of uh big uh touchstones in the church and uh our you know the thing of it is is as uh, you know you could say our theology is is uh, consumable by by a by a, a Gentile or a Gentile Christian or whatever. It, it's it's it, it, you know I don't know. Kind of hesitate to use the word acceptable, but but uh, you know at, on the theological level we're seeing eye to eye mostly. And uh, you know of course even Christian denominations have slight theological differences between each other, but uh, on the we I like to use the term ecclesiology, because I think a lot of uh, Christians understand that our ecclesiology is quite different. And so when you look at our, you know, quote, sacred calendar, for example, what's on it? Well, that's why we all have Jewish calendars hanging in our kitchen, because we're paying attention to those, uh, those days and the cycle of the year. And, uh, and so I think people sometimes focus more on the differences in ecclesiology, and kind of get lost, you know, like, you know, the old saying, we can't find the tree for the forest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And I'm afraid a big part of that is just either willful ignorance, or folks that just for whatever reason have not taken the time to gain a better understanding. And and I think it's perhaps demonstrative of a tremendous degree of ignorance. And I, I'm I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> locked and loaded here now.
0: <laughs> There's a yeah. tremendous
1: amount of ignorance within the evangelical or, or broader Christian community because we just haven't taken the time to learn. You know, and yeah. we might say to yeah. the to the to the, the messianic Jew, well, you know, so why are you celebrating Hanukkah, but not Christmas. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. And, and unfortunately, a lot of that misunderstanding is because we've just never taken the time to ask the questions and to listen.
2: Yeah. And how many of us really know our history, too? Christians and Jews, you know? And so there are a lot of things that have historical context. And you know, in the case of the Jewish people, it's a very troubling context vis-a-vis the church if you go back far enough now if we're just talking the modern era it's all hunky-dory and you know especially in America it has been very good to the Jewish people but you don't have to go back to to too terribly far and it's a different story you know the Inquisition you could go back to 500 years ago or go another 500 years to the Crusades and so on and and there you know I mean, you know, to say hurt feelings is not really deep enough. There's some pretty deep feelings that run on both sides, but 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 in this case, I'm talking about uh, the more of you know when you when you put it in the in the context of oppressed and oppressors, you know, uh, the Jewish people have a kind of a tale of woe there. Uh, but part of it is, yeah, I understand. The more I understand about our history, I understand that it's not just black and white. There are a lot of dynamics that got us to where we are today.
1: Our conversation with Rabbi Charlie Cohen of Congregation Shamech Adonai continues in a moment. Welcome back to our conversation with Rabbi Charlie Cohen of Congregation Shamech Adonai. Now, Rabbi Charlie, I want to come back to what we were discussing just before the break. Yeah, that's very true. And and I think that we need to be sensitive toward one another toward that end, that there are plenty of non-Jewish people that just either forgot or don't know the totality of the history or see it uniquely from an American perspective and forget that, you know what, yeah, over the last 50, 60, 80 years, it's not been a horrific experience in America. However... Uh, We certainly see to this very day plenty of cases of anti-Semitism creeping up in in various levels of of American culture and society, but but to the greater degree of which the history is littered with some pretty sad stories that largely, you know, if it's not your story, you don't know it. And, And I think that we need to do a better job of not only sharing the stories, but as I said a moment ago, of listening to one another, because I think we have a lot that we can teach each other.
2: Yeah. Right. Uh, let me take the example. I'll give you the example because, uh, this, this would come up right away with a visitor, let's say, uh, you know, uh, from, from, uh, the church. And so when they first thing, when they walk into our sanctuary, it's a pretty Jewish space. Okay. They're cool with that. But they look around and, and they'll, they'll go, where's the cross? There's no cross in the front of the room we're used to that you know in some cases like in the catholic church not only a cross but there is you know messiah up there on the cross and and so but but for the jewish people unfortunately the the cross itself is a is a problematic symbol and if you go back historically before the crusades the symbol of the cross wasn't particularly offensive it was seen as a as a a symbol of of humility and sacrifice. But when the Crusaders uh, started you know, on their way to the prom, pro, Holy Land, slaughtering a few Jews along the way, and and holding up the cross as the symbol of their their right to conquer, and uh, ruthlessly. And unfortunately, what does that symbol represent to, to those Jewish communities that were liquidated throughout France and Germany and other places by the Crusaders? And so that, that's left some pretty sore wounds that have stuck. And so we don't put a cross up at the front of our sanctuary in deference to that. And uh, it, that's just one example, but I think that's an accessible example.
1: And there are certainly many others out there. I mean, you think of pre-Nazi use of the Nazi-era use of the swastika, for example. It's an extreme case. You know, yeah. it, it, you, you see that in symbolism, in in Native Americanism, for example. Uh, there was nothing, no negative connotation placed on that whatsoever. In fact, here in San Francisco, there used to be a company called the Swastika Candy Company. <laughs> It wasn't until that symbol was adopted by Nazism and then became, sadly, because of their behavior, associated with some pretty historical, horrible, horrific historical events, yeah. that all of a sudden now it became tainted. And really? you know, and I and I think it's important. Again, there's there, there's a lot of learning that needs to be done from both sides and understanding yeah. some of the symbolism and the history behind the symbolism and why this can be problematic. Under certain circumstances, I think is important because you know we we need to be sensitive one another. We talked, you know, before we came on the air today. The notion of being all things to all men—that I might win some—and that if Paul would see someone that perhaps would be offended by drink, he won't go there because he wants to be sensitive in all circumstances, understanding who it is that he represents.
2: Right, you know, it occurs to me even even with that that idea, I become all men's all people. Well. And then, you know, the, the, the person might say, but you don't act like me. You don't do as I do. Well, that's not what we're really saying. We're, we're able to identify with all people and mediate the gospel message to them. But that doesn't mean we become like all people.
1: Walk us through your experience as you began to investigate the claims of Yeshua. You looked yeah. at, began studying the New Testament. At one point did you say to yourself, Rabbi Charlie, you know, I, I think this is the real deal here. And what was that transition like for you in, in coming to abra- embrace Messiah?
2: Yeah, I, well, first of all, as I said uh, through the Bible, and there there's a quality to the biblical story that uh, if you're willing to ex- be open to it, uh, is incredibly a true, a true and authentic, and uh, and and that was for me. It was impossible to ignore that. It, it wasn't. It, to me, it had every bit of 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 uh of the sense of truthfulness and authenticity that that the Old Testament, the Tanakh, has had for me at that time, and uh and and I. I was able to see uh, see that the, uh, the the Messiah was fulfilling a, a very long and ancient biblical tradition. That there wasn't it, it, there was no this wasn't a new religion. In other words, to believe in this man, to understand that he he suffered and died for 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 humankind this wasn't creating a new thing or a new idea. It was a fulfillment of something we'd been told for thousands of years.
1: At what point did you begin to be open about your embracing? And I'm curious how your immediate family, your inner circle, how they reacted to that?
2: Well, you know, again, I I want to emphasize not everyone has this same experience and i think it has a lot to do with with how god is dealing with your own heart that you know i could kind of leap and jump over some of the boulders in the path in order to understand what was going on there in terms of uh spiritual truth and so yeah when i when i came to that understanding i was all in you know this was like okay this is it we're done here. Let's go. I just didn't know where to go with it in terms of of other people, especially other other Jewish people. It was a number of years until I even met another Jewish believer. But I was basically all in on conceptually. Uh, it just I couldn't go back to the synagogue to 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 really advance that path. So I looked for other ways to learn more about Messiah.
1: Uh yeah was there a sense at a time for you rabbi charlie that you felt as if you were kind of how should i express this that you had you're, you had feet in two different worlds and by that i mean that that yeah like the whole the, whole the whole deal within within yeah. historic judaism missing the component and but the, the, but if the, you go to say well, I'm going to go to a, a a christian church well there's a component missing there too yeah, but, you know, talk about, you know, the left hand didn't know that what the
2: right hand was doing. The left foot didn't know what the right foot was doing, <laughs> you know. And so I had some very uh, humorous and novel experiences, you know, that we didn't see that in the synagogue, you know. Um, you know, uh, like the time when uh, I saw this uh, visiting evangelist who was praying for people and they were falling down flat on the floor. And I was like, what is this? You know, I've never heard of this before. And so I, I, I walked. Here's this old guy laying on the ground. The evangelist had just put his hand on his forehead and prayed. And he fell flat. And the floor was cement. And so I walked over. I was like, I got to know about this. So, you uh, I kind of like tap, tap. Hey, excuse me there, dude. You know, wh- what just happened? And uh, he goes, I don't know. But, but I feel light as a feather. I go. Didn't your head just, you know, crash on the ground, the cement floor? Oh no! I just floated down like a feather, and uh, and and he was, you know, ecstatic in prayer. And I, I was like, wow, this is an interesting world right here. So there were a lot of things to to see and learn that, and experience that I never saw saw or even so much as heard about in the in the synagogue. That was an eye opener
1: so that that journey in a sense can 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 be a little bit jarring in so much as there are not only cultural differences but certainly theological differences or or at least theological leaps into areas that heretofore were were completely uncharted territory for you completely unfamiliar with. And yeah. and so it's interesting because I think from a, from a Gentile perspective we think wow boy you know all the history you've got the foundation down here you know things about the Old Testament we we've never even begun to explore and so we sometimes I think walk away with the impression that oh this is just going to be a piece of cake you're just you just missing right. a little, tiny part of the story here and then boy you're 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 you got it you got it nailed not recognizing perhaps that it's it's a bit more complicated than that isn't it yeah
2: i know and you know spiritual insight comes from god not from your denomination or or your background and i i remember a, a friend of mine introduced me to uh, don richardson who who uh was uh had a very interesting life as a missionary to uh Papua New Guinea and other places. He wrote the book *Peace Child* and *Eternity in Their Hearts* and so on. And uh, I, I found that he was just in, in, incredibly insightful in terms of theological, uh, spiritual things. And and uh, I, I think it's it it really you it's it's really we're at risk. I think sometimes to think, oh well, we have the truth. You know, we are like the older brother. We know what's going on. And uh, anyone who has that kind of sense of spiritual su- super, uh, superiority uh, uh, it is going to miss is going to miss something in uh, in along the line because because you know the, the traditional Judaism has a lot to offer Christianity has a lot to offer and and uh, we're I don't know if you want to say that we're integrative between the two or if we're bridging between the two. I'm not really sure sometimes, but it's something to think about.
1: Our conversation with Rabbi Charlie Cohen of Congregation Shamech Adonai continues in a moment. Welcome back to our conversation with Rabbi Charlie Cohen of Congregation Shamech Adonai. Now, Rabbi Charlie, I want to come back to what we were discussing just before the break. Yeah, and it's perhaps uh, you know uh, either both and or right. Yeah, it, it, the answer is it just depends. But you, you, right. you you've or, touched or as on you say,
2: it's, it's not so simple. That's
1: right, it. and and I think you you've also at the periphery touched on a very important point here that I think all of us at the end of the day need to be very very mindful of, and that is that as you've alluded to, Rabbi Cohen, that there can oftentimes be the sense that, well, because a person was raised in the Jewish faith, was practicing, went to synagogue, so on and so forth, that there is a some sort of a level of spiritual depth there, when in fact it can be no different than the individual who's shown up to church every Sunday at 11 a.m. for 50 years, read the Bible, and yet at the end of the day yeah. Is no deeper in their walk than somebody who's never read the scripture because they do not have a personal relationship. And I guess yeah. the 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 real key here, when we when we speak to Messiah, is the ability to be able to not just know of God, but know God personally, and therein, of course, lies the lies the as they say the secret sauce. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Right. Uh... You know, going back to my uh, anecdote on Don Richardson, I I heard him speak here in the Bay Bay Area after I was introduced to him, and the topic was the 4,000-year connection. Now, what he spoke of of that day was on the promise to Abraham, and I'm not sure I've ever even heard a Jewish person really unpack that promise uh, to Abraham in the way that Don Richardson did. So you know, when you find this kind of depth of spiritual understanding, it might even be in your own back, what you thought was your own backyard.
1: In terms of the reaction by family and your your spiritual journey to eventually become a rabbi, walk us through that, if you would,
2: please. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I, I, I didn't answer that question earlier. Uh I think... uh because, you know, we were coming from as a family kind of a space of, uh, of uh, a Jewish uh, observance. I don't want to call it minimal. It wasn't minimal. But very typical uh, sort of, uh, you know, assimilated with respect to society and our careers and so on. And then maintaining our little Jewish corner over here uh, of what we do that's different and separate. And, uh, and, and, but it wasn't like, you could say, like, you know, extreme or where it, where I was going didn't necessarily, like, get me kicked out of the family. So as long as I wasn't too, you know, like, uh, you know, to use the term mission, missionizing about it. And the family, and they probably thought, well, this is just a phase they'll
1: grow out of it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. give him time, he's young yet. (laughs) Right, we'll be back to our Passover Seder in the normal way. So uh, I just think they thought, well, he's young, he's a kid, this will pass. But but I had found something that was truly life-changing. And over the years, they came to appreciate that. And even though maybe they couldn't go all the way theologically, they did appreciate uh, the impact that it had on my, on my life.
1: And they saw then uh, a genuineness about you in that sense.
2: Yeah. Right. So, you know, it was always like, uh, you know, at the holiday meal, you know, can you give the blessing? It was kind of surprising that that came ultimately, hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and I, you know, acknowledgement, recognition, if not, you know, total endorsement. But uh, but I would say, at least in my case, it wasn't like I was ostracized or kicked out of the family. That does happen, but uh, that was my experience.
1: Did it take time for family to see your spiritual experience is not one where you were going to be leaving or abandoning your roots somehow. And I, and I've always been quite curious about that anyway. I mean, it, once they're, their your roots, they're your roots.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it took, well, I'm not sure if it, uh, because, because I, I never like became un-Jewish, you know? So I think it was more of kind of perplexity. Like, where is this going? Sure. With you? like Who are these new friends of yours?
1: Once they saw that this was the real deal, meaning this was just not a phase that you were going through that you would be on to, you know, the the next new idea (laughs) within a week or two, uh, at at what juncture did you feel the Lord putting a calling on your life that you had more to share with others?
2: Well, I think, you know, we, we each try
1: to know and discover
2: and walk within our own gifting. That's where you're going to be the blessed and others will be blessed the greatest. And, and right away, I, I want to say in a very, very short space of time, I knew that my gifting, a part of my gifting was, was to teach from the Bible. And of course I wanted to add this new component and teach that. So that was something uh, that came right away and and wherever I lived or went, uh, it, usually in a very short space of time, whoever the pastor was or the leader would 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 put me in a, a space to teach from. And then the only thing to add to that, that feeling or sense of a pastoral call, and uh, and I did feel that in my twenties, and I saw a seminary type of experience in order to pursue training for ministry but but you know at that time we're talking about the 70s 80s. uh you know a traditional jewish seminary wasn't really the the right thing for me and uh oh by the way craig we're getting echo right now i don't know where it's coming from uh i didn't do anything different here.
1: how about now yeah because you were you were kind of fading slightly is that better now
2: Nah, that's a lot better. Okay. So a traditional Jewish seminary left out the Jesus component. Okay, that's not working. And uh, and by and large, the Christian seminaries had none of the Jewish component. So I just simply had to do the best I could and pick one. I ended up going to a Bible college and uh, was kind of an odd man out there. But still, I'm, I'm grateful for what I learned and was taught there. And that prepared me for, for uh, pastoral ministry. Now, today, decades later, we have uh, uh, there are uh, Bible colleges and seminaries that prepare you for this kind of ministry.
1: From your life experience, um, a- a- as you're talking here to a very broad group of people that can be approaching our conversation today, as they eavesdrop in from a variety of of theological viewpoints certain life perspective viewpoints, I'm curious, Rabbi Charlie, if you could answer two questions. Number one, from that of the perspective of the Jewish person back to Gentile believers, what do you most importantly want us to know when it comes to our interaction? Uh, You kind of alluded to this earlier. Sometimes the Christians, they meet a Jewish person who does not embrace Messiah, think, "Aha, boy, we got the big fish here they 're locked and loaded they 're ready to reel that fish in, and there 's a bit of sometimes melodrama that attends right. to all of that, and you know I think we in all things need to be need to be respectful to people and and not to take the approach that we 're somehow you know going to bash somebody over the head and show them how they 're wrong, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. From your perspective, what are some of the most important things? that a, a Gentile believer ought to know when it comes to um, interaction with Jewish people that do not I, yet I think, embrace uh, Messiah?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. I can think of two important things right away. One would be worldview. And uh, my good friend, uh, Rabbi Dr. Stuart Dauerman, uh from uh, down in uh, Fuller, Southern California, he he uh has an analogy i heard him i heard him use this analogy, and I think it's a pretty good analogy where where um, if you are a visitor uh walk into a church especially uh this analogy, but you know out of the blue, you walk in the door new new guy new lady whatever and uh, no one's ever seen you there before what happens? Typically, what happens is, uh, of course, we want to know about this person, you know, uh, what happens is, 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 uh, you're going to be asked what you believe somehow, and, you know, might be casual conversation or whatever, but we want to know, are you a believer or not a believer? What, you know, what's happening here? Are you a seeker just walking in the door to find out? Uh, and, and so this is where it all starts is what do you believe and and of course if you don't believe the right things we're going to try to correct that so that you will believe the right things and then somewhere down the line will be uh uh, we might be also interested in uh and in your background you know in terms of what community are, are you from and so on and uh and and then uh finally we, we might, we might put the idea of, uh, of our community on the table to you, right? To, uh, in other words, you know, to really know, maybe you've visited a few times or, or whatever, where you would fit into this community. But in the, you know, in the Jewish world, we can take that, we can take that and just flip it on its head. And so you walk into a synagogue and the first question is, are you Jewish? <laughs> in other words are you somehow connected to this community through your Jewishness right and and then we might be interested in what kind of a person you are uh to know that a little bit and then finally the somewhere way down the line would be what do you believe and so do you see how how i mean and the and the two world views are just very very different so that that would be one a- answer, which which we need to understand. Just to even understand that the, those worldviews are so different, I think is super important for for a person to try to have that conversation with a Jewish person. The second thing is uh, I like to use the word validation, and if you are unable to validate me as a Jewish person, if the first thing out of your mouth is Well, you can't really know God because you don't know Jesus. We're done. You know, the conversation is pretty much over. Uh, We brought this God to the table, you know, from which comes Christianity, you know. So uh, if if there's no sense of validation for who I am and what I believe, uh, the conversation goes nowhere. So that's, that's a showstopper right there.
1: And let me flip that question now to the perspective of the Jewish person who is just dialed in by accident and thinking to themselves, wait a minute now, I'm I'm listening to a Jewish rabbi talking about Messiah. I, I, I don't get this, and I feel very intimidated by these Christians because I recognize that they have failed to validate me. To that person who just finds this a big curiosity, what would you say?
2: See, I, I think that same conversation happens. I think one of the first things they ask me is, do you think I can know God, or do you think this is the only way to know God? And so they know this. They're sensitive to this. And uh, you know, if they are as spiritual people, I mean, if it's just window dressing, that's one thing. But they truly are people of God, And, and they're going to want to know how you feel about that.
1: Our conversation with Rabbi Charlie Cohen of Congregation Shamech Adonai continues in a moment. Welcome back to our conversation with Rabbi Charlie Cohen of Congregation Shamech Adonai. Now, Rabbi Charlie, I want to come back to what we were discussing just before the break. Let's pivot if we can, Rabbi Charlie, to your local congregation, which we mentioned is meeting down in Los Gatos, you have your Shabbat services at ten thirty a.m. at sixteen seven thirty-five Lark Avenue. Uh, give us a little bit of a glimpse into the life and community of Samech Adonai.
2: Okay, well, our our our, our service is uh, is a fairly a traditional on the on the model of a synagogue service. So you might not get all of the connections you were hoping to get when you walk in the door. Like, you know, if you were looking for, you know, that immediate uh that that uh, that immediate sense of, oh, this connects all the dots for me now, you know. I got Paul, I've got Peter, I've got Apollos, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And now I got this. You know, so we put all this all together. So the service, as I said, the ecclesiology is, is Jewish, and it's going to be unfamiliar some of it. And uh, but all, but eventually, what will come through, however, I, I think particularly I hear this a lot in, in our congregation, is it's 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 a very warm and human congregation, and 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 you I don't think you're going to feel as a Jewish person necessarily out of place. And I don't think as a, as a, as a Christian, you would either. You're, you're going to feel welcomed and uh, hopefully, uh, and, uh, it, and, and things will eventually, the fog will clear and you'll understand what we're about. And that'll be good and right for some people and, and, and won't particularly, you know, uh, you know, to check all the boxes for others. So that's just how it is.
1: Give us a glimpse into the, the life of the congregation there and uh, multivariety. I understand, on the website of, of uh, services that you guys offer and programs and things of that sort.
2: Yeah. Let's start, I, I don't know if I could, Craig, this might be redundancy, but go back to this, this uh, the Jewish model versus the church model. So first of all, you know, in, in the church world, if you're not showing up every week, you'll get a call from the pastor. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Where are you? What's the matter here? You know, you're not here every week. But the Jewish world, that that's not true. Like You could go months and not visit the synagogue and no one seems to be even worried about it. So uh, we find that more true with, with our Jewish members and non-Jewish members, but they might not show up for a while, but it doesn't mean there's a problem. It's just that they don't have that experience that you're there every single week, you know but we, we have kind of a revolving group in, in that sense of uh, it might be a few weeks you won't see uh, a person and then they're suddenly there regularly and so on. It, it's just a little bit different of, a, of an experience. but we are we're high on uh, we are high on uh, teaching, we're very teaching oriented, uh, sometimes a little overkill. Sometimes, So we have classes in the afternoons, and and anyone can drop in. We have Hebrew classes, and and uh, sometimes Torah studies or Bible studies and that sort of thing. And uh, and we do. That's kind of a Jewish thing. We we want to break it down. We want to know what this is. And so we do. We have a lot of teaching, uh, uh, and and fellowship. So one thing that's common in the Messianic. Jewish congregational world is to take this idea of having uh, having uh, you know coffee and uh, and uh, and donuts after the service, uh, which in and in, in most synagogues is referred to as uh, Oneg Shabbat, which means the delight of the Sabbath. Is to grab a cup of coffee and a donut and talk to the people after the service is over, and we take that farther with uh, with a potluck meal we share together and. Uh, We do that every single week, you know, and and so around the table, you actually get to know someone. And it's very uh, warm and engaging, uh, I would say. I I remember uh, there was an older couple who who would visit us fairly often from a synagogue in the Bay Area. I'm not going to name any names here. But one day I just said, uh, uh, you know, hey, Erwin, you know, why do you come to our synagogue so often? like this isn't really like totally in sync with your theology i know that and he said well you're right but the reason we keep coming is your your people are so loving and welcoming Hmm. we don't get that same loving and welcoming experience all the time and so that I, i think messianic congregational movement has really flourished partly on on that basis i remember uh a few years ago there was a Uh, the leader of the largest uh, conservative synagogue in Los Angeles that was, I guess, interviewed and they had a full page thing spread in the LA times. And, uh, he kind of wrapped it up by saying, you know, there are certain things I think we need to change about how we come together. he said, we need to share food together. We need to, you know, have good music, sing songs. And, uh, and maybe even have some Jewish dance. Well, he's describing a messianic congregation. You know, th- these are the things that we're known for. So, uh, I, I do think the fellowship aspect is very important.
1: The end of the day, it all comes back to relationships, doesn't it? Both relationships it does, ab- along yeah, the, it
2: absolutely does
1: along the horizontal, and of course, most I- importantly, along the vertical.
2: I know as you build relationship, you know, you can deliver almost any message across a solid
1: relationship. Indeed so. And words of wisdom from Rabbi Charlie Cohen, again from Congregation Samach Adonai. Their Shabbat services are at 1030 a.m. at 16735 Lark Avenue in Los Gatos. And you can get more information by going to the web. I'm going to spell the name for you. Go to www, Of course. T-S-E-M-A-C-H-A-D-O-N-A-I dot O-R-G. Or you can call them at area code eight three one four seven 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 three nine. That's eight three one four seven 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 three nine. Rabbi Charlie Cohen, we appreciate uh, both the time and the insights and having you uh, share with us some of your own uh, life experience, your own spiritual journey. So thank you again so much for your time today.
2: Okay, Craig, you're welcome. I feel like, uh, as usual, we answer only a handful of the questions.
1: Well, we appreciate the job that you did. And once again, (laughs) Rabbi Shalom.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it